from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia to around the globe. You're listening to Shark Bite Biz, your exclusive place for business strategy, sales, marketing, and tech in the roaring 20s. And now, here's your host, David Strausser. Welcome to the newest episode of Shark Bite Biz. I'm your glamorous host, David Strausser. This is your place to learn how to grow a business during complete chaos. We got an episode slated for you all today that is going to be really, really fun. We're talking about a relevant topic. Yeah, we're going to be talking about gifting. First, though, remember, if you're watching us on YouTube, you can join the channel, right? Just hit that join button right there on YouTube and only for three dollars a month you can become an exclusive baby shark with your membership that unlocks some perks with us but if sending money through big tech isn't your thing don't worry go to deadhousecoffee.com use the code shark you get 20 percent off of your order and all the proceeds directly support us producing the biggest best show we possibly can Remember, it's deadhousecoffee.com. Use code SHARK. Now, let's get back to today's show. Like I was saying, we're going to be chatting about gifting, okay? Is gifting something to your clients appropriate in 2021? Should you be gifting in the roaring 20s? If so, where do you draw the line? How do you work it into your existing workflows so that it is not disruptive? And coming from the biz dev world, one of the items that I think is most important is how do you increase referrals with gifting strategies? I think that is an extremely important, relevant topic to discuss as we try to balance out this in-person versus digital relationship type thing that we all have going on right now. So like I was saying, it's perfectly timed for where we are right now fighting against the virus with the world that we live in. So who is today's guest? So glad you asked. Margot Fraze. Margot Fraze is the owner and creative director of Harmony Creative Studio, an award-winning boutique wedding firm in Los Angeles, California. Since moving from retail consulting to events in 2011, her goal has been to design weddings with intention infusing celebrations with her signature organic and minimal style, yet still tailored to each couple. She is also a wedding industry educator, motivational speaker, course creator, and host of the twice-yearly premier online summit for wedding professionals, the Wedding Summit Series. So, hey, I'm going to shut up now. Let's bring Margo on in here. Business Strategy. Margo, welcome to Shark Bite Biz. Guess what? You just became Shark Bait. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for having me. Glad to be uh, here. Oh, no problem. So we have a tradition on this show. It's like our only structured question. The very first question right out of the gate. It's an easy one. Really easy. What's your background? What's your experience? How did you get where you're at? Okay. What do you do now? What are you a subject matter expert in? Basically, what makes Margot Margot? <laughs> yeah. Not a loaded question at all, right? I know it's it's a lot, but <laughs> I I have a I have a succinct answer for you. Oh, so that's perfect. 
Yeah, um, I'm sure you gave my bio and it says that I'm a wedding planner, but I wasn't always yep. a wedding planner. Um, I actually don't have a degree in tourism or hospitality or anything like that. I have a totally useless political science degree and another totally useless history oh. degree that I never used. Uh, while I was in college, I started working retail and I kind of moved up the retail food chain to, you know, manager, regional manager, stuff like that. And then in 2004, I was headhunted by a retail consulting firm. So I started okay. working for a firm out of New York that did consulting for mm -hmm. brands like Nike, Lucky Brand Jeans, Ben Sherman. Basically, they did- um, Never heard of them. I know, never heard of them. <laughs> Basically, that company, what they did was they did um, point of sale merchandising and marketing um, okay. for wholesale accounts. So if you go into right. like a Macy's, and you see that the Lucky Brand or Ben Sherman stuff looks different, like their fixturing right. looks different, their marketing looks different. That's because the company that I used to work for made all of that stuff. Oh, and that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I loved it. It was creative. It, oh, hold on. Isn't it yeah. great when you do something like that and you see like your real, like your hard work actually in a real life, product now that could be advertisements or or design or um for me it was i i had a stint doing semiconductors as a contract and you ever see those uh eco atm machines for cell phones like the big green ones that mm -hmm. you yeah. could re sell or recycle cell phones in so i sold semiconductors for that and that was up until that point that was the first time that i sold something that made it into something bigger and then I, I don't know I felt like my dad you know like every time that he was a roofer and every time oh I did that roof I did this roof and I'd be doing that with my kids we'd go to the mall we'd see the eco ATM machines hey I sold parts in that machine it, it was just so full circle for me but it does yeah. give you the warm and fuzzies right it does. I spent a lot of time in malls, so I, I know exactly what machines you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. Great machines. And, and yeah, I would have that feeling also because we would have to go out to stores and map things and, and all of that. And I would see people, you know, pick up, you know, something and look at the sign. And I'd be like, oh, we, we kind of made that sign. So I'd have that same yeah. kind of feeling. Um, you ever feel like you had the autograph one? Like, <laughs> there. <laughs> no, unfortunately, um, teenagers in malls are not that excited to find out the people uh, yeah. organizing yeah. marketing so yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but short version so i worked for that company for a while doing creative more creative stuff and then when the 2008 economic downturn hit they took a turn in their business towards more like merchandise like they had a small army of merchandisers and they wanted us to be more like a you know manager of merchandisers and that wasn't really right. what i signed up for so right. i started working in kind of a different area of their business i actually worked for yahoo i was like a go-between i worked in a yahoo office and i was a go-between oh, between cool. people at yahoo and our company and they were making you know designing all kinds of stuff that have like the they call it the y bang the y with the exclamation point <laughs> but as it turns out the only people that were interested in yahoo branded merchandise was the yahoo events and um marketing department uh, so <laughs> for swag for their events so i started kind of working maybe about again. 10 years earlier it could have been more <laughs> popular i liken the time that i worked for yahoo as um the time like the Titanic, they'd hit the iceberg, but yep. they hadn't gone down yet. It was it was a real turmoil. 
Uh, Terry Semmel had left. Jerry Yang had come and taken the company back over for a while. It was that period. So it was kind yeah. of a weird, it was, a, it was an interesting period, but we, I started working more hand in hand with their events department. And I discovered that their job was a lot more fun than my job, mm -hmm. if I'm just being honest. Right. And a couple of my friends were getting married at the time. And they're like, you could, you could probably plan my wedding, right? You're, you're like doing this, you know, big event for, for this big company. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm like, yeah, sure. That's the same. But it yeah, awesome. yeah, 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 yeah. It's a same. You're a project manager. You can handle it's the fine. wedding. It's fine, right? It's all project management. It's fine. <laughs> um, but I found out in that process that I really loved weddings. You know, at the time oh. I didn't, I hadn't yet met my husband. I didn't have like, you know, any ideals on my own wedding, but I, I found out that I really loved weddings. So I, I had this crazy idea that I was going to start my own wedding planning company. And so over the next three years, I did less projects with the firm that I worked for. I met my husband. We got married. I, we, since I was on his insurance, I started my company full time. So that was kind oh, of the great. transition. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, a lot of it was like, you know, I need I need health insurance. I need certain things that my company is providing as a young mm -hmm. baby business owner, and I wasn't prepared or even knowledgeable about the things that I needed. So I the, I did it very strategically like that. The health insurance thing is actually a big big discussion and around the time this episode comes out there will be another episode that i literally just recorded yesterday and it was with one of those you know alternative um health company group plans and because of the fact that the way that the ACA Obamacare is now, you don't have to have that mandate. So it opens it up so that people that are relatively healthy can get lighter, cheaper plans. And we were talking a big discussion about how, you know, that the, the, the way that the health insurance is, it actually does prohibit people from starting up businesses because they they need some sort of coverage and that's where you know some of the obamacare mandates like where you can get from the marketplace stuff like that it, it does kind of help you but it all depends on your state and their level of buy-in and stuff like that and it, that that's a whole interesting topic and when you said that, that's what it made me think of. I mean, that is a real hurdle, I think, to starting business in the United States if, if you do have any type of health needs. Yeah, and you'll see why that really comes to play here as I tell okay. you the rest of my story. You're going to make us go full story, uh, full circle. I am. Yeah. Bam. So I started my business and I was chugging along for the th first three years, you know, as a little baby business owner, as we all are. I had finally reached the point where I was like, okay, I've got the clients that I want. I'm a wedding planner in Los Angeles. I refer to myself as a boutique wedding planning company, mm -hmm. which means we do about 20 to 25 weddings per year. Budgets here in Los Angeles are a little larger. So it allows me to take on less. I just moved from there. Los Angeles. What's that? I just moved from Los Angeles last year. Yeah, so or you know. 2019. I lived in Azusa. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I grew up in Riverside. So it's, I know where Azusa is and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because I had just reached this point in time where I was doing the wedding, the kind of weddings that I wanted to do. My name mm -hmm. had, was, you know, all the advertising had finally paid off. And yeah. unexpectedly in June of 2014, I was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. Oh, so that's where so the health insurance thing really comes into play. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So 
for me, it was interesting because I had started this business. I had poured my blood, sweat, and tears into it. You know, I didn't have any children. It was like my baby. Mm-hmm. And then I had to take two years off so that I could go through chemo and radiation. 12 So surgeries. sorry to hear that. <laughs> so uh, I should preface it by saying that I'm, I'm good now. They don't oh, yeah. call it remission, but I'm as good as can be expected considering the life expectancy that they gave me. And now it's seven yeah. years later. So yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations. I, I, I mean, definitely <laughs> being a fighter, I think everybody out there could relate to that. It might not be breast cancer, but I mean, like men, a lot of them get things like prostate cancer to, um, you know, just lung cancer, liver cancer, pancreatic. I mean, I lost my stepfather to cancer. I think he was, um, what, like 52. He was young. Um, and it just really, really sucks, you know, so to be able to survive that, you know, kudos to you. See, I told you you're a rock star. I give all the kudos to my husband. He did a lot of the heavy lifting while I just laid around, um, while I was in surgery and stuff. He did, he did a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of like, uh, dealing with the insurance company and, you know, talking to my doctors and figuring out all that stuff. So I had a healthy support system. But what so really kept with that, me- with that, like dealing with the health insurance stuff like mm-hmm. that. I mean, um, this is what year was this again? So I was diagnosed in June of 2014. The 2014, bulk of my okay. treatment was between June 2014 and December 2016. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, just wondering, like with the Affordable Care Act. I mean, just out of curiosity, do you think that actually uh, helped you with those provisions and stuff? It's hard to tell. Coverages, hard to tell. My husband, my husband works for a very large movie studio here in Los mm-hmm. Angeles, so yeah. we have excellent coverage, mm-hmm. and we, we always had through him. Yeah. So that's good. I mean, I, I don't think any of that really affected me, that's just because good. we were able to to move to his his. Plan yeah, we used to have when I was out there. We used to have marketplace plans, and that's what I don't get. Like out here, the marketplace plans are terrible in Pennsylvania, but in California, I mean. They're decently priced. Now, if you're buying for a six-member family, they're going to be high because they're per person. Uh, And that's where it's definitely cheaper for an employer. But if it's a single person, oftentimes you can get just as good or better through through there. And, you know, starting up a new business of mine recently, like I'm going through a lot of this same process, thinking for employees, stuff like that, health insurance. I have all these things fresh in my mind. And uh, then you need to talk to my husband because I don't have the answers. We'll have him him on next. So sorry. Yeah. Keep going. Let's hear, let's hear more of this story. This is a great story. No. So, so I did, you know, I did all the things. Um, I randomly, one of the big things was that they found a metastasis in one of my lungs. So they actually had to do three surgeries on my lungs, which led to them removing the entire top lobe of my right lung. So I'm down a lung, which is why I'm eligible to get the, vaccine here soon because I definitely have a medical condition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. Um, but the entire time I was going through it, I used my business as like a carrot at the end of the stick, you know? So mm-hmm. I thought about getting back to it. I kept my social medias alive, but I had realized during the process that like, as a small business owner, I had not done myself the service of building a strong community in Mm -hmm. my, you know, in the wedding industry here in Los Angeles, because the the wedding and events industry is large, but small, Mm -hmm. like everybody knows everyone, we work on referrals, all of that kind of stuff. And I had not done 
my due diligence on that front. So when I came back into my business, I made that like a big priority. So Mm -hmm. I've worked for the last several years to, you know, find those other wedding planners, make, make, you know, contacts and, and it has helped my business like increase like 300 fold to where I'm back way stronger than I ever was before. So working with the people that are, I mean, they could be viewed as competitors. They are my competitors essentially. Yeah. But in Los Angeles, there's enough business to go around. Well, there was before last year. There was. Um, (laughs) And there will, there will be again, there will be again. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I believe in community so heavily that, you know, one of my very best friends is another wedding planner and Mm -hmm. people think that's really odd, but we service very different types of couples. Mm-hmm. So we don't, we don't get a lot of crossover. So I don't worry about it that much, but right. um, yeah, I lean into community so much that my latest, my pandemic pivot project was an online yeah. summit geared towards wedding professionals. It happened the last week of February. It was very successful. We had over awesome. 4,000 attendees, you know, and it was wow. all about community. So that's Did everybody have their camera on? Did everybody have their camera on? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we had some live panels that where people had yeah. their cameras on. We had live networking events, but a lot of it was happening in our Facebook group and pre-recorded instruction. Right, right. So when you did that, let, let's jump into that because that's really yeah. pretty interesting. You know, I, I started this podcast because like out in LA, I did, uh, I don't know if you know the City Club, uh, but City Club mm-hmm. in downtown Los Angeles. Yep. So I was a member there for many years a lot of good friends from there but i did an anti-luncheon and uh it was kind of my thing it was the anti-luncheon it was executive luncheon panels and i'd have oddball speakers there uh people that you wouldn't think for business you know like william hung from american idol uh brian vander ark lead singer of the verb pipe but they do have amazing business stories that have a lot of value like william hung Okay, so his business story is about dreaming and believing and fighting to get what you want. I mean, he's a famous singer now. He had number one selling independent artist album. So, I mean, kudos to him. You know, and he's a good friend of mine. He's a really, really sweet guy. But, I mean, they have that stuff there. And we were planning on doing this stuff now that I run the East Coast out here, up and down East Coast, road shows, stuff like that. And uh, actually had a contract with, you know, the verb pipe to go there to speak, perform every show, stuff like that. It was going to be pretty awesome. Started selling tickets, pandemic hit. So, you know, after I realized like, hey, look, this isn't going to be a two week thing. This flat in the curve is going to, you know, two or three months in like, yeah, that's not happening. That's when we ended up launching Trek by Biz in order to kind of build that community uh, reach out, do things digitally. And so far for us, I mean, it's been, it's been pretty amazing. You know, I've been looking at the graph today, for example, of just uh, the view subscriber growth. And it's cool because for the most part, it's just like that. And that's what you want to see. But when you went and you planned something that large, when you're having 4,000 different people attend what software solution did you use how did you plan it how did you make sure that you were going to have engagement and people weren't just logging in but they're really watching netflix on the other pc screen can you explain that process i think that's important i i I absolutely so first thing is that 
it was not my first pandemic project. My first one didn't really work. So yeah, I think hey, the, first, the, you first, learn from the it. first note is to like, keep, keep trying, right? right? So it's kind of the second thing. When, when I realized that my clients who had moved their weddings from the spring to the fall of 2020, we're going to move from the fall of 2020 to the fall of 2021. And I was going to be left with this right. kind of big block of time. I said, what can I do? And I had been to a couple of online um, virtual summits for other things like email marketing and stuff like that as I was building my own business. And I was like, I, I could hold a, an online summit for wedding professionals, but I had no idea what, how to do it, right? So I sought out and I invested in myself. I bought a great program called Summit in a Box by a woman named okay. Kristen Miller. And she had everything in there. I used- can you say can you say her name again? You cut out a little bit there on my oh, side. Yeah. I just want to make sure they can hear it. <laughs> yeah, the program is called Summit in a Box, and okay. her name is Krista Miller. So Kristen if you Miller, look up perfect. Summit in a Box, you'll find it. And yeah. it was not a it was not an inexpensive program. So it was me investing in you know it was several thousand dollars. So it's me investing in you know, this project that I wanted to do, but it was the best decision that I ever made because it's literally, she literally told me step-by-step step how to do it and how to get engagement. My summit or I do online courses. So all of my okay. online courses for wedding professionals are housed on a platform called Kajabi. I'm sure you're familiar with it. And it, or no, no I'm not. not. <laughs> how, how do you spell that? <laughs> Kajabi is K-A-J-A-B-I, Kajabi. Okay, okay, and I will definitely check it out. And I'm sure all of our listeners are Googling <laughs> it as we speak. It's like Teachable or Thinkific. It is a program mm -hmm. very similar to that, but it's an online educational platform, but right. it allows you to have landing pages and a lot of good, you know, forms built in for email capture and stuff like that. So- mm -hmm. All, all my entire summit was built off of Kajabi landing pages. And then the actual like up, it was free. My summit was free, but the upgraded, you know, VIP pass, the all access pass, which is how I made money mm -hmm. because summits aren't free. I just told you I invested some money in a program to be right, able to right, do right. it. So we didn't, we did make money off of it the, with the VIP pass. And that was just sold as a course inside Kajabi. So we did it with Kajabi and then we did VIP live panels on Zoom. And then there was a, you know, of the 4,000 attendees, about a thousand of them were very active in the private Facebook group for the summit. And that's where most of the quote mm -hmm. engagement happened. So okay. that's cool. That's, that's cool. So in the end, it <laughs> sounds like it really worked out for you. It did. It was actually more successful than my humble goals had right. been. Um, Especially you know. <laughs> considering how the first one went. Yeah, I, well, the, our first project, our first pandemic project that didn't quite go anywhere wasn't actually really, I, I don't really want to own that one because it was a, <laughs> it was a, it was a wedding collective, small wedding collective okay. with other wedding planners. But the problem was that Los Angeles never allowed us to have any type of weddings in 2020. Like they were really banished. So we couldn't market, we couldn't do anything. Mm -hmm. So that one's, I don't know if I'm ready to take the, the, the bullet on that the one. On but, that one yeah. but, we had to shelve it for a while. I hope we can come back to it. But yeah, it sounds it was like you're where I was like, that didn't work. Let's move on. <laughs> sounds like though you've got the recipe and now that you're doing the postmortem on that, you're probably able to make some adjustments here or there, but it, it, it sounds like something that you're going to be able to replicate with even more success. Are you talking about the summit? 
the thing yes. that was actually successful. Yes. Yeah. So the summit is going to become a two times yearly event. We already set the dates in August for the next one. So yeah. at each each summit, we're going to take a deep dive, which makes mm -hmm. it a little bit different than some online summits who what that want to tackle like all the things. You know, mm -hmm. we're going to take a deep dive into one subject. The first one was community, and then the next because I felt like that's what people needed. That's what had helped mm -hmm. my business. You know, escaped my personal pandemic that I had to do where I had to take two years off of my business. Right. So I wanted to share that with everyone. The next one that we're going to have is about event design, which is something people told me they wanted to learn about. So now I'm taking awesome. my cues from my audience. That, that That's really cool. Do you have any concern that the next one, if it's pretty much post pandemic at that point, or we're getting out of it, do you think that could affect the attendance and the results? I mean, the key is right now, everybody is almost at home or almost at home. Right. You know, they have a lot more free time availability, less commute, stuff like that than they had previously. Is that something that you're thinking about for when it happens? Because you probably really won't know until we get much closer to that point of how things are going to be. How do you plan around that? Right. I mean, that's definitely in the back of my brain, but I just remind myself that the summits that I, the online summits that I went to, to learn about email marketing or learn about Instagram ads or to learn mm -hmm. about summits, the woman that I bought the course from had a summit mm -hmm. about summits. It was very meta, very meta, <laughs> but, but several of those that I attended were pre-pandemic. Yeah. Like it was before the pandemic anyway. So I have to remind myself that it's not a be all end all like in, just because in-person events are back and they definitely will be for our industry. I'm speaking at the, the largest um, event and catering conference, um, the special event and cater store in July. So there awesome. will definitely be in-person events, you know, back at that time, but yep. not everyone can afford to travel to Miami, Florida, which is where that conference will be. Not right. everyone, you know, maybe they have a wedding the weekend before they can't take time. It doesn't work into their schedule and right, online right, right. event will always have a place, especially in my opinion, now that people are used to the medium. Oh they're yeah. Used to yeah. Zoom. They're more, more people like my mom wouldn't be using zoom if it wasn't for right. the pandemic. And you know, th I'm sure there are people like that in our industry, you know, that have been around for a long time that would have never thought to use zoom or go to an online conference were I it not for the pandemic. I just taught my dad how to uh, finally hold the camera right on his cell phone. So I can I see more than, than uh, you're right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, believe it or not, uh, this has been an amazing conversation. We didn't even get to, uh, but that's what I mean. Unstructured, structured conversation. I think we've right. hit so many other important topics. But the talking points we wanted to get to for one of the main reasons are coming on is gifting. You know, it's a very, very taboo. I mean, you go to some foreign countries and if you don't gift, you know, you got no shot at a deal. Whereas, you know, in the, in the U.S., I mean, are, are you paying them off? Is that grease in the wheel? Is it acceptable? I want to preface it with this before I get your take on whether it's appropriate or not. Yeah. I think it's episode 31. It's in the early 30s. We had Ed Howie on here. Great, great guy from Howie Grow a Brand. Yeah, he plays off his name. And anyways, the his whole gist is that we're in a joy deficit. 
okay? The world's in a joy deficit. Now, this was in the, the midst of the pandemic, like September, October-ish, uh, when it was, I guess, even we weren't fully used to it like we are now, I'd say. And it was about spreading joy. So, you know, like send cookies to your clients, stuff like that. I mean, 20 bucks isn't going to kill you and it's going to bring life a joy. In fact, I just took his advice. I just sent a hundred and some dollar bottle of whiskey to a client because we've had a little bit of a rougher time than what we had hoped. And I'm like, please give me a chance. I'm bringing my A team. We're going to get this right for you. And we still had bumps, but ultimately we got it done. They're very happy. And about two days later, I bought it right off of Drizzly. They got a bottle of whiskey delivered to his office. And my day job, the company is called Vision 33. We go by V33. So this is exactly the poetry I wrote. I, I want to get your opinion. <laughs> Roses are red. Violets are blue. I really love V33. How about you? I mean, you can go with that if you want. It's very simple, I, very direct. I did. Very I, and then I had a little, little <laughs> two sentences that thanked him for giving us a chance and how much I love right. his business. But I mean, they burst out laughing. They loved it. I mean, it went over so well. I mean, if I did that to some random stranger that doesn't know me and my personality, they'd probably be like, yo, this dude's creepy. Let's, you know, get the heck out of here. But, you know, they know me. We, we have a, a good, honest relationship. And it, um, it, it went over amazingly. So that's you know a lot right there that i just gave you unpacked what's your take given everything i just told you about yeah. client gifting being appropriate so i think it's important to denote because we're mostly talking to small business owners i think there's a difference in gifting when it comes to the type of gifting that maybe i'm going to talk about the type of gifting that my company does and the type of oh, gifting yeah. that happens at my husband's level like corporate gifting like that's a yeah. whole like the the place where he works, they have rules about what types of gifts they can accept, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, so I think it's important just to like start our conversation with like, this also, is like you small know, business owner stuff. Right. Small business owners. I mean, with your husband, uh, he's, uh, you had said that he works for a big Hollywood studio. So uh, I, I think we've seen a lot of headlines about weird things the last couple of years in the industry. So, I mean, yeah, obviously I think there's a, a huge difference and there's a lot of industries like that, that because of those types of things, very, very strict. So, right. you know, our audience here, I'm going to say is going to be the small to mid-sized yeah. businesses, you know, people from the 1 million to maybe hundred, $125 million range. So yeah. in that range, and that's still a big span, but it gives you an idea. I mean, what do you think is acceptable, not acceptable? I always think that gifting is acceptable in terms of showing appreciation. I think mm -hmm. there is a very big difference between a client that has booked and you're showing appreciation versus a client that you are trying to book and you're sending them right. stuff as a, like trying to grease the wheels. Like that's different. Right. So in our company, it, my company, we only send gifts to clients and vendors that we are actively working with. Okay. You know, it, and that's kind of the difference, you know, where it's like, I'll send gifts. I send a welcome gift to my clients. Right. Awesome. But the, the, one of the main points that I want to say is in terms of appropriateness, 
part of what I try to do with my gifting is help myself in the process, right? So mm -hmm. when I send my welcome gifts to my clients, these are people getting married. And I know right. far more about the process of getting married than they do. Yeah. And I know the things that annoy me during the process, right? <laughs> and I found that one of those things, just to give you a really simple example that everyone can wrap their mind around. Yeah. I was tired of getting photographs of wedding dresses back with plastic hangers and weird stuff on them. So I decided to include in my welcome gift a nice wood hanger that was engraved with either bride or groom, depending on the makeup of my couple or their name if I had time, so that mm -hmm. I would not get back these ugly photos. So I was giving a gift of appreciation, thanking them, mm -hmm. welcoming them. That's not all I send them. It's a, it's a whole package. But it's also helping me down the line not get ugly plastic hanger wedding dress photos back, which I hate, which are really yeah. annoying. Yeah. So I want people to start thinking about gifting in terms of like, you're showing appreciation. You're also trying to, you know, make your life easier in the process. If there's something like not wedding specific, but if you're a person where during the, the course of you working with a client, mm -hmm. if there is something that could make your life a lot easier mm -hmm. and it's like 20 or 30 bucks or 50 bucks, mm -hmm. buy it and give it to the client and just make your life easier in the process. Right. right. Like, so people let, think of gifting in this weird, they, they get up in their headspace about it. And I'm like, it's just showing appreciation. You know, well, so think about this then. Okay. I did when I was a young, aggressive sales rep six years yeah. ago. <laughs> um, I had, well, I was just starting out with Vision 33, doing our ERP sales. And I had, I still remember the guy's name, the company, everything. It's one of the clients that I ended up not selling. Um, but I was working on it for about three years, going every single angle you could possibly think out of the thing is they did omni-channel sales which five six years ago it was way more difficult for the integrations in terms of cost for small businesses than it is now where it's a lot more cost effective and cheaper um so you know i'm working this every different angle we've had a cabillion calls in the process of it you know like his uh his mother died, which is actually what derailed the whole uh, sales process. Uh, then, because I mean, this dude—he was older too, but um, he, he like just totally emotionally destroyed. Like, I felt so bad for this guy. Like, I actually bought him flowers and sent him flowers, um, and it was like with a really. Because I mean, I worked with this guy like almost every other day for the last three months trying to get him to buy my software. And this happened. And he's such a nice guy. And I felt terrible for him. How would you classify that? Because I mean, I, I think from the sales world, that that could be taken a couple different ways if you don't understand the full complexity of the situation, kind of like I explained it there. I think that's just one human acknowledging that another human is going through something very terrible. Okay. Like on a, on a base level, it's literally just, you have had some type of relationship. It doesn't, it, to me, it doesn't matter that it's a sales buyer relationship right. in terms of something that serious, you know, I connect I, to a lot of my clients on a personal level. That's why they buy off me. They like me. I got that, that personal connection because I am goofy. I'm quirky. I acknowledge that. 
but they like it because I make yeah. them smile and I ultimately get results for them. And, you know, I think because of that, I feel like none of my competitors did that, but none of my competitors had the relationship that I think I had with right. that individual. And that's where I felt that it was totally appropriate that if I, I, I kind of felt like if I didn't um, do it, that it would possibly, I, I don't know, I just felt like it could damage a relationship if I didn't acknowledge it with something. I mean, it didn't have to be flowers, but right. something more formal than just uh, condolences on a phone call, like uh, he's just a sales guy, he doesn't care. Right. Yeah, again, I think that just falls at a base human level. You know, I think that people get really wrapped up in their heads about thinking about like this tit for tat mentality, mm -hmm. you know, I am one way to kind of get rid of that is to just understand, like at a base level, that you sending a gift doesn't necessarily mean that you'll get their business. It doesn't necessarily mean that they'll re-up their business. It's right, just it was part, no, it's a no, part of your client experience. When you start mm -hmm. thinking about it as part of your client experience, then you, you won't get wrapped up in your head about whether it's a tit for tat situation in my, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, no, that that's great. So, you know, if you're able to make it, and I like what you said about how, if it's something that makes your life easier, gift it. I do that sometimes as well too, because it's, you know, maybe it's like a very small piece of software and it's like, okay, whatever. Maybe I'll eat the cost because ultimately my consultants aren't going to be yelling at me every day because they have to deal with the system without that, but it's going to give us some more hours on the implementation side and it ends up paying for itself, you know, or something like that. Uh, you know, not really free, but maybe I sell at cost or something like that. Um, you know, we, I do things like that because it does make your life easier. It does kind of give you, and ROI, but I think you have to be smart about it. And, you know, when you're trying to do that so that it doesn't reflect bad on you, how do you think that you can work into, you know, existing workflows without rocking the boat? Well, I think it's important to have a plan ahead of time, right? Mm -hmm. Both for- Not spur of the moment stuff. Both, both for your own sanity, for your pocketbook, because mm -hmm. if you- plan like let's say that you are a business you know you're a graphic design business and you usually have about 20 clients per year that are on a retainer basis right like let's just do like some very basic <laughs> you know whatever right. so if you know that you have 20 clients every year that are going to come on and have a retainer then you can plan for 20 client experiences client gifts stuff like that and then if you don't hit it and you have to buy more that's great you hit your mm -hmm. sales goals right right so we always think, well, I'm, I'm going on any normal year, any pre-pandemic year, we're going to have at least 20 couples. So I will buy in bulk the things that I need and keep them here in the office. So yeah. it sounds crazy. I have like a gifting shelf that I have, but what it does is it streamlines the process. I don't think about it too much. It's just part of the experience. And right. part of the experience for me also, I don't want people to hear that, that gifting can't lead to sales because mm -hmm. it can, but as long as you're all also making that human connection. Mm -hmm. When my couples leave me, I don't do social events. 
I don't do right. baby showers. I don't do anniversaries. I only do weddings. I made right. that choice for my business many years ago, coming off of a corporate life and not wanting to do corporate events anymore. Right. So I know that my clients hopefully are going to get married once and they're never going to be repeat clients, right? <laughs> I still send them a the repeat event. clients are good in a way. I so sure I I still send my clients a baby gift when I find out they have a baby because I right. like my clients. It's part of the experience, but then it also keeps me top of mind. I've gotten right. more reviews from people who never reviewed me, you know, um, referrals from people just by sending them a baby gift. Something I would probably do anyway because I like them. It just has okay. this added bonus of them. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You do it just because you like them. Margot, do you like me? Clients. You like me? What's that? Oh, good, good. You like me, right? There you go. <laughs> I just made the list. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so let's wrap up with this one last question. Is yeah. obviously, I mean, what you what you just said, like with the baby gifts, stuff like that, keeping them top of mind. Um, I think that's a great way to kind of have that gifting strategy to help you increase referrals. Is mm -hmm. that correct? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a happy byproduct of that. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we, when I am working with my clients and I'm thinking about, you know, I have a gifting schedule as I call yeah. it. And that's kind of the, the touch points that I do to make up my client experience. But I'm not only thinking about how that gift is going to be received by the couple. I'm thinking about how photo worthy it is, how likely mm -hmm. they are to share it on social media. So other people, right. their friends, their family can see it. So I make my gifts pretty. I make them on brand so that when they are shared by social media, then it's I'm more likely for other people to go, oh, what's that about? And then that sometimes has led to referrals as well. I'm right. also thinking about how it's going to be perceived by their parents, their friends, people yep. that they are going to tell about it, because that is where my re referral sources come from in, in a business that's very referral based, which the wedding and event industry is. So whatever right. industry you're in, you, your listeners, who's ever listening, you have to think about <clears throat> not only the actual client, but where are maybe some of the other referral sources coming from? And then mm -hmm. you try to plan your gift to speak not only to your client, but also to maybe those surrounding people that may be referrals as well. So the, right. you keep that top of mind. That's what I yeah. try to do. Well, that is solid advice, Margo. <laughs> hey, this has been amazing. I've had fun. Have you? Absolutely. Okay. And you weren't even lying. I love this. <laughs> so so let, let me ask you, how can our listeners get in contact with you? Yes. So the, the very best way to get in contact with me is through Instagram. I am at Harmony Creative. That's the name of my company. Yep. So slide into those DMs. I'm always answering DMs. Um, okay. I'm also on Clubhouse. I know that yeah, Clubhouse is up and coming. You can just search my name, which is Margot Frazee, or at Harmony Creative as well for that. Very upset that Clubhouse is only on the Apple ecosystem. I honestly may never join them, even when they go to Android because of that. I, I'm bummed because just my personal taste, I love my Galaxy series. You're not the only yeah. one that's very bummed out about that. I mean, I guess, look, 
Okay. In a way, it's basically their way of doing the beta because it's a lot easier, cost-effective for them to do it on one platform that is such a closed, controlled ecosystem, micromanaged ecosystem that Apple has uh, to make sure quality and everything's up to par before they go to the beast of Android that has a billion different devices, configurations, and stuff like it, it makes sense, but whatever. Uh, we'll but, stop yeah, ragging. I understand that. I've been trying to explain to wedding and event pros who do not understand the thing that you just said, that Clubhouse is not purposely keeping them out out of spite. It's because of some technical stuff that they <laughs> have to do so they don't burn their servers out. So they don't, you know, right. keep it on You know the, the answer around that? It's What's really that? easy. The, the answer to fix that. All you got to do is just get an iPhone 4S, okay? Yeah. They're like 40 bucks, 50 bucks, I think, right now on yeah. eBay. Get a used one, use it just for... So that way, I think, doesn't Android users have like uh, green they show up as or blue or something like that and the text messages on iMessage? Right, right, right. Right, and I hear Apple people don't like that. So you, you can... You just get that, much, you get that, you get that, you get it, bam, you're fixed, you're fixed. Buy the old phone. Uh, but anyways, hey, this has been great. Everybody, as you know, on YouTube, or if you're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever, we will have the link to her website and her Insta account down in the description below. Marco, thank you so much. This has been amazing. Thank you again for having me. I yep talk about summits and gifting all day so oh perfect thank you cheers wow that was an amazing chat with bargo right first you all know the routine if you found this interview helpful if it sparked some warm and fuzzies do me a favor hit that like button hit that subscribe button on youtube or if you're on a podcast app where they only have follow same thing hit the follow button Look, we're trying to build a community of business-minded people here that are trying to grow personally, professionally. They're trying to grow their businesses. I bring you two times a week the best small business owners, subject matter experts I can, bringing some awesome topics onto this show. If you love it, I hope I've earned it. Hit that subscribe, follow, like button, anything you can. But if you really want to do this a solid, please share this out to your network. Okay, get this out on Twitter. Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever you can. Let other people know about the greatest kept secret in the world, Sharkbite Biz. I'd love nothing more than to have Margot and Sharkbite Biz tread to go Twitter. So again, let's get back to Margot, okay? This was an awesome, awesome, awesome story, okay? I can't say awesome enough. First, Margot, congrats on surviving, beating your health conditions. That was... Um, that was a really incredible thing. And I think a lot of people get sidetracked when their health goes downhill. I mean, come on, let's be honest. It's hard not to when you're in those situations, especially going through what she did. On top of those challenges, she had to totally transform her personal career as well, too. She went for the, and I am quoting this directly from Marco, the totally useless political science degree. And, you know, that's a tough situation. Back when she went for that degree, I mean, that was in the era that uh, people were pushing political sciences, English majors, uh, you know, criminal justice, things like that. And 
that's hard. That can be demoralizing. So on top of the health stuff, she had to realize like, hey, wait, this path is not what I thought it was going to be. And instead of crying about it, she focused on what can I control? What can I change? And that's where she ended up going then from retail to becoming an all-star wedding planner with some solid advice. And that's why she's on this show. It's a very hard move to make. And, you know, I just want to give a shout out to that because this is a really gnarly example of seeing the cards that you're dealt. Maybe you make some choices that aren't the best, but you're adjusting to the situation. You're going with the flow and you're just digging down into the trenches to make a new path to get that career that you've always dreamt of. It's never too late to do something new. It was also really cool to hear Margot's thoughts on hybrids events, okay? The virtual events, hybrid events, they are permanent, okay? They will be around. Well, virtual events have always been around. I mean, five years ago, I remember seeing webinars and stuff like that, but it was like, hey, who's going to join this, really? And people didn't really understand them, the format, stuff like that. These events have really evolved. And it's going to be interesting as things continue to hopefully keep opening up to see how these events with the hybrid approach of people on site compared to the events of, you know, virtual events, how they're going to collide and how these will take form. For example, like she was saying, there's not much reason for someone to fly out to a conference in Miami. I mean, maybe there's a ton of reasons to go, and that's where you should be in person. But maybe you don't have that many reasons, and that's where doing it virtual versus the lost productivity, the cost, the time, everything that adds up into you physically flying to Miami, the airport, getting a hotel, going to the conference, being stuck in one place, Instead of having more a la carte things where you can jump in or jump out for different sessions. One thing I will say is I think for digital events to work, I want them to be live video. I want them to be live video feeds. I do not like this. Oh, here's a pre-recorded message. Okay. To me, that just doesn't cut. Doesn't, doesn't work. I, I don't like it. I think it's not authentic. I think it's not fun. And that's where somebody like me, if it's recorded, it's like, dude, I could have watched this any time I wanted. You're making me take time out of my nine to five day, usually, to watch a pre-recorded message. I mean, I, I find that disrespectful. So think about that as you're starting to plan your digital or hybrid events about the actual ability to do things live. Now, the, let's talk about the topic at hand, okay? Gifting. And this was one of those jam-packed interviews. It was great. We've talked about a lot of good stuff in this interview. There's a huge difference between trying to wine and dine somebody to complete a sale compared to sending something to a client and you're sending it out of appreciation. I think looking back at this interview with Marco, that's where she's saying that it is more appropriate. Try not to buy your customers. Try to give them stuff out of appreciation. 
you know, the gifts that she gives them are also gifts that she put thought behind, okay? For example, they're a newlywed couple or they're going to get married, okay? And because they're going to get married, she gives them something that she knows from her experience that they can actually use. Those are some pretty good tips right there. Just don't gift for the sake of gifting. Thoughtful gifting, though, is something that somebody like Margot practices. Now, I, I do want to add, though, that I do like how she's added gifting to her existing workflow. Because when she sends something out, like, for example, say it's three years down the road, and she finds out that a couple that she did the wedding for are having a child, she'll send a gift. Now, what does that do? And me coming from the biz dev world, I love this because, look, you should hopefully only be <laughs> marrying people one time, right? So I think that having that touch point right there by sending a gift out because they're about to have their first kid or whatever is great. It gets you fresh in their minds again. So that way, then they can refer you to their soon to be married friends. And that's really an awesome strategy, Marco. So question of the day, what do you think about gifting? Leave a comment on YouTube or even some of the podcast channels. They have comments there. Do you want to be in the show? If so, send an email, interviews at sharkbitebiz.com. Remember, two, two final reminders for you. Number one, join the channel. You can become a baby shark, only $3 a month. Help this channel grow. We use it for production, making better sets, stuff like that. Or if you don't want to send your money through YouTube, then go to deadhousecoffee.com, use code SHARK, Get 20% off your order and all the proceeds go directly to help in this show. Once again, remember, I'm David Strasser. This is Shark by Fizz. We'll see you all next episode. Thank you for listening to Shark by Fizz. We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story.